Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Go Up Podcast Edition. Where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Kiritas, you have one job every week. I know, it's so easy. It's so good. Yeah, I just sit back, I'm done. We are your hosts. I'm Dean. Oh, see, I also have another. I'm Kiritas. That was rather elegant, the Thank way you, you said that yeah, today. So I don't just have one line. I've got a whole complicated name to say every week. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you do the rest of the work. Greatest today, we're going to be talking about oneness with Christ. Mm, can't go wrong there. Can't go wrong with that subject. Yeah, oh, so awesome. I've been looking forward to this. Don't prepare your message, prepare your heart. Mm. I've just been praying it's a like lot. like leaving the steak in the fridge, marinating, yeah. and all that goodness. What's your heart been marinating in? And- My heart's been marinating in the glory of God <laughs> and the love. Yes. And so that's where we're going today. So if this podcast is encouraging to you, consider hitting like and or subscribe, or you could share or hit the notification bell. Mm-hmm. So many options. There's four options there. Super fun. And also, if you have a chance, check out our website at letsgoup.us. Well done, Dean. So Kiritas. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of had our first big winter storm here. Yeah, I got some intense wind. I see some snow on the mountains. Yeah. And, yeah got some Frigid Arctic air yeah. blowing through. We get that here in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. When we got the first wave through um, near the end of October there, a few days before that, we were at the lake and my son jumps in the water. It's too cold for me, but he goes in. But then just two days later, that Arctic air, it's a game changer. I don't think he'll be going in. Would he not go in if it was that cold? Yeah. He seems to like water any temperature. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we were visiting family in Iceland last, North Atlantic Ocean is fully closed, just starts walking in. And my aunt was like, <gasps> mortified. But I'm like, ah, turn the heater on in the car. We'll be there in a few minutes. <laughs> Hypothermia doesn't uh, seem to affect him at all, no, does and it? And he hardly ever gets sick, so there's something to this. Well, well yeah, you know, they do say that you uh-huh. can dip yourself in cold water. I've been seeing that lately. I've been seeing people dipping in a tub of ice water mm-hmm. 30 seconds every yeah. day or something like that, and it's supposed to do wonders for your health. Yeah, so see, Blake started a trend. <laughs> I don't know, he hardly ever gets sick, so there must be something to it. You might need to go in one of these if your nose is running. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> Your body instantly tells you, Dean, go in the ice tub. <laughs> so, Caritas, I would love to know what Iceland is like in winter. I mean, is it winter there all year round or? No. Well, okay. It's not winter all year round, but the winters are dark. There's a period of time where there's only, I think, four hours of daylight, but mm-hmm. the summers are great because the sun just skims the horizon there. So For a full two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just remember snow drifts because there's a lot of wind. You know what it's like on the prairies. So I remember our door wouldn't open sometimes because the snow would drift up against it. And, yeah. But awesome for a kid. Like, Winter wonderland. The amount of work yeah. the parents go through, you don't even notice. But we get to just go out there and you come in and there's hot chocolate. and mm-hmm. Snow forts. <laughs> mm-hmm. My winter memories revolve around going to my cousin's place up north. So they had a whole team of Siberian Huskies, which they kept in kennels. And you would open up the doors and those dogs would run out and stand in the exact place where their traces are. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prowler. 
Wow, they would stand there. They would know exactly where their spot was on the sled. Did you have a red-nosed dog? <laughs> At the front. No, just kidding. <laughs> that would be amazing. Every puppy litter in town, you just keep searching for that pink-nosed puppy. The pick of the litter, yeah. as they say. <laughs> yeah, they knew where to go and stand. They would harness them up and mush, and away they would go. They were so strong. Oh, man. One person cannot hold a dog back. Wow. They'll pull you. And they just love to run. Yeah, and they're excited. Very happy, mm. wagging their tails, beautiful blue eyes. Mm. Oh, I thought you were talking about me for a second there. <laughs> yes, well, my there beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> Waking my tail. <laughs> Just stop talking, Kratos. Oh, that's cool. But, you know, I feel like the prairie winters, they are colder than a lot of Icelandic winters. I was looking the other day because our friends live in Saskatchewan, and it's colder there now than it is in Iceland. Saskatchewan gets very cold. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you Icelanders, you don't have much to brag about. Okay, there's some parts of Canada that get pretty cold. I don't know anything about Iceland, but I mean, I have looked on the weather forecast. Because your dreams of going there. I have dreams of going there. I want to know when is a good time. This is what my parents say, mid-June to mid-July. That's that's your safe window, okay, Dean? You got like one month, exactly. That's it. (laughs) As kids, we would go outside after school, grab our hockey sticks, go to the pond, Mm -hmm. shovel off the pond, Mm -hmm. and play ice hockey till dinner. Yeah. And then afterwards, you could go out and watch the Northern Lights. See, you had a much more Icelandic childhood than I even did, because most of my childhood was in BC. Snowmobiling is another memory of mine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I also remember how your nose would freeze shut when it was really cold, like minus 40. You could (laughs) freeze your eyes shut, actually. Oh, my goodness. When you get up in the morning, it tells on the radio the wind chill factor, which is how long it takes for exposed flesh to freeze. Oh, my goodness. So typically in the morning, you get up and they say, today the wind chill factor is minus 33 exposed flesh will freeze in 14 seconds. <laughs> Sick. That's what they tell you. So you shouldn't be an emotional person living. You can't be crying outside. No. <laughs> Your tears would come out. This They'd is, be solid. They'd be like drops. This is why people <laughs> from cold countries are more stern seeming. Maybe. Because we can't afford to cry. You're onto something there. <laughs> Our eyes will freeze shut. Our eyes would freeze right shut. <laughs> the cry yeah. babies, they just, what is it? Natural selection. <laughs> natural selection. That's right. Yeah, you can't cry. Not in minus 40. So if you're listening Suck to it up. really passionate worship song on your earbuds, no, if you're going to get emotional. Do it in a different way. Go in your car. Let joy bubble out of your heart, not the tears. You know, the tears of joy, but you got to like do that in the heated car maybe, but no. Because right, your eyes will freeze shut. Yikes. Yeah. See, I didn't really experience that cold of winters. They've been colder lately. I don't remember getting that many snowy winters in BC as a kid because I remember snow days were like a huge deal. Mm-hmm. We've been having more snow it like, seems the past like few years. Yeah. Global warming. <laughs> global warming. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't want to start anything. Drama. Justine, you did not say. Today that. we'll be talking about Donald Trump as well. <laughs> oh, should we throw in some Trudeau? And- you know, up to now, we've actually kept it pretty much away from politics. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to start today, do we? <laughs> oh, we, we love those guys. We, we love pray, them. Pray for them, you know. We do pray for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They need prayer. Mm. A lot of it. <laughs> Me too. Bring it on, Dean. Pray. <laughs> All right, that was a really long intro. Yeah. You might need to cut out some. We'll see how much of that we use. <laughs> Everyone's like fast forwarding on their <laughs> devices. Oh, they're still talking about snow. <sighs> so, Kratos, today we're going to talk about union with Christ. Mm, a warm topic. A warm topic. There we go. On a cold day. <laughs> with a cold intro. Yes. A warm topic <laughs> with a cold intro. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Mm. That kind of ties it together, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Union with Christ. Okay. You had told me something that just kind of blew my mind. Is this going right in? Are we just diving diving right in? We're diving in. I have never considered it this way, but you were sharing about the rib. Do you want to just open Mm. up this conversation? Adam's rib. Yeah. The rib, the The so-called rib. rib. Because as my daughter used to say when she was really little, you popped my mind out. Well, it's because I spent four years in the book of Genesis one time. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking up every single word and yeah. I got really interested in the story of how God created the man and the woman. Mm. So I started looking up all of the words that are used in the Hebrew text. Of course you did. You know, my interlinear. <laughs> yeah. It's not that hard. Anybody can do it. The King James, you know, they used the word rib. They were the first ones. In fact, this week I looked through... I'm going to say 30 different translations, and they all use the word rib, but the Hebrew word is not rib. It has nothing to do with a rib. The Hebrew word is curve. Curve, yeah. God took a curve out of one of Adam's sides, it says. That's the way the Hebrew says it. And so in doing some research, the curve that God took out, and this is supported kind of by the Hebrew, if you really look at it closely, was actually a part of the DNA. Hmm. Do you know anything about DNA? Because I don't really, like, I don't understand how it works. I don't even think scientists totally understand a lot about our genetic code and DNA, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you told me this about the DNA, which Dean will get to, you guys were just leaving it hanging there a little bit. Just for a moment. It's tantalizing. I was like, that is so interesting. So I was just kind of reading up about it. And the code of amino acids coded by codons is used by almost 100% of life. Yes. The same three-letter codes tells ribosomes to make the same amino acids. This genetic code was discovered in the mid-1900s, and we still don't have an answer for why it's so common or how it came to be, the Mm. science world, right? We know how it came to be. (laughs) God, God genetic code. Yeah. But the chromosomes, what are there, 23? The last one is the um, one that determines your sex. Yes. There's 23 pairs of them in each cell. Mm-hmm. The 23rd pair is the pair that determines the sex, whether it's male or female. So yeah. with a female, there's two X's, and with a male, there's an X and a Y. This is the part, your little discovery here that blew my mind. Keep going. <laughs> yes. So translators saw curve, and they took it upon themselves to interpret it as a rib. But back when they were first translating it, they didn't know anything about DNA. Mm-hmm. They still don't. Apparently. No, they really don't. <laughs> but basically, the helix curve, it looks like a twisted ladder. Mm-hmm. And so it says specifically that God took a curve from one side of the atom, which is the earthy one. Mm-hmm. That's the way that the Hebrew wow. translated yeah. out. So basically what God did is he took half of the helix curve and he made the woman. So basically he took DNA out of Adam's side and used that DNA to fashion the woman. It's kind of interesting, the two words fashion as well, because God made the man from the dust of the earth, like he just made him, Mm. (laughs) he formed him. Yeah. But with a woman, it's fashioned under pressure. It's a different word. Evidently, you use a slightly different technique with the woman. Mm. And it's like the two X chromosomes in a female, and then a male has an X and a Y, and the shape of them, the Y, just looks like it's missing the bottom half. Yeah. Like there's a part missing. So it's like the femininity in Adam almost was taken and made into a whole other species. Exactly. Because I've heard people compare God, like we always think of him so masculine, Mm -hmm. but people who have an intimate relationship with the Lord often speak of this feminine side to him Mm -hmm. too, because we often separate them so much. You're either a male or female. You have masculine traits or feminine traits, but the father is all. He is all, yeah. So if we're all made in his image, he has feminine traits, masculine traits. 
So anyways, taking part of the male DNA, Mm -hmm. fashioning the woman, amazing. And taking it out of the side of Adam. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that, the amazing thing. I mean, the scripture is never wrong. When you go back and you look at it, it always makes sense. It always lines up with science. He is the ultimate scientist. (laughs) He is. Jesus is the ultimate scientist. Mm -hmm. That's one thing it doesn't say about him anywhere, does it? He is the alpha, the omega, the... (laughs) The lamb, the lion of the tribe of Jesus, and he's the scientist. And mathematician and physicist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Anyhow, that story has always fascinated me. Yeah, that blew me away. That was a perspective I had never thought of or considered. Because I didn't know that rib wasn't the word rib, because I never looked up mm-hmm. words in Hebrew. And it's interesting how you mentioned that the Y side, it looks like part of it's missing. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Adam had parts in him that God took out. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how he felt. Adam, when he was first created, he was created in the image of God, it says. Mm -hmm. So he probably had both of those sides in him. Yeah. I wonder how he felt when all of a sudden that part was gone. Yeah. But you know, then he says, you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Yes. So they were so united that maybe he didn't feel like it was gone. It wasn't like separate from him because Mm -hmm. they were so one. Because you see the division between men and women. When you're reading Genesis, he talks about them being one, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. But then after the fall, God says to the woman, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. That happened after the fall. This like kind of submissive hierarchy that we see all over the world and all sorts of cultures. Before that, you were bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Yeah. And the Hebrew, when you study out some of the phrasing that God used, when he said, I will make a helper suitable for him. Mm. And some of those words describe a face-to-face partner. Yeah. I do have a Hebrew note in my Bible. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey. (laughs) Hebrew note. I knew it was in you. (laughs) I just forgot that I wrote it down in here. Okay. So he's talking about glorious Eden, a river will run through it. And then he says, "Eh, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. Helper, I'm going to be butchering the pronunciation, but Ezer Kenegdo, have you ever heard of that? No. Ezer Kenegdo is the Hebrew word for helper, Mm -hmm. which is used about 20 times in the Old Testament, apparently, referring to God when he would rescue or save or strengthen. So basically, based on that Ezra Konegdo Hebrew word of helper, she will be his greatest ally in pursuing God's purposes and his first roadblock if he goes off course. So this companionship, Mm -hmm. this unity that is this mystery in the kingdom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is all about Mysterion, isn't it? Yeah. Do you ever finish your wife's sentences? My daughter rolls her eyes all the time at us because it's like the amount of times we both answer the same thing. (laughs) He'll start talking and they'll just finish it. Like, well, we are one. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to read Genesis 2, 21 to 24. Mm. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. I actually think that's significant. A coma. A coma. The first time anesthetic is used in the (laughs) I was going to say, this might have been painful. I'm going to remove some of your DNA. This is going to hurt. (laughs) Coming from a nurse. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. So we just talked about what that phrase means. He took a curve from one side of the atom. Then the Lord God made a woman from the curve and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, because right before this, God had been bringing animals to him, right? Mm-hmm. Animal after animal. Yeah. And he didn't see anything there that he liked as far as finding a mate. Mm, yeah. At last, 
he exclaims. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from the man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So here's an explanation of union in the first couple of chapters of the Bible. There are a lot of things in those couple of verses that I noticed this week. Isn't that amazing? You've spent how many years in Genesis? Things are still being revealed to you. The part about the deep sleep, the part about while the man slept, the Lord took out the curve and closed up the opening, brought forth a woman, brought her to the man, and the man exclaims, this is bone from my bone flesh from my flesh. And then he starts talking about union. So all of those things kind of in that sequence reminded me of something else. <laughs> um, yeah. Jesus? <laughs> it's always the safe answer. Jesus, safe answer. <laughs> yes, it is. John 19, 30 to 35. After Jesus tasted the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When Jesus talked about death, remember when he was talking about Lazarus, right? And they said, well, why are we going to see him if he's just sleeping? Because Jesus said he's sleeping. he's just sleeping. Yeah. So Jesus talked about death as sleep. There's another verse in the writing of Paul where he says, we will not all sleep. He's talking about death. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of verses like that. Anyway, Jesus bowed his head, gave up his spirit. So Jesus is now sleeping. He's dead, but he's sleeping. It's a day of preparation. The Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering their legs broken. This is kind of morbid. Anyway, they did that. They came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you may continue to believe. So when I read this part this week, all I could see was God put Adam to sleep and he took DNA out of him and created a woman and brought that woman to Adam to be his wife. And then I saw this crazy parallel of Jesus sleeping, the sleep of death, and then his side being pierced and blood and water coming out and DNA coming out Mm. and the father taking that and creating a bride. Wow. A bride came out of Jesus' side and presenting that bride to Jesus. So those two stories somehow correlated for me this week. I've never really thought of it before. But because of that, we carry such a resemblance to Jesus. We were taken from his side and we carry his DNA. We carry his nature. We were made from what flowed out of him. His bride came out of his side, just like Adam's bride came out Mm -hmm. of his side. And we don't get like this super broad view into the garden. We get this tiny little glimpse. I feel like we're supposed to be experiencing that now, that tiny glimpse of Mm -hmm. how incredible that must have been. I believe we can live in that now with Jesus, like his bride, in all that peace and freedom. Can you tell me, Curtis, once again, I don't understand DNA, but what's the significance of blood when it comes to DNA? They can take blood sample and attach it to a specific person, right? Right. DNA sampling. mm -hmm, Right, from the blood. I don't know a whole bunch about DNA, but from my foggy memory of schooling. Yeah, yeah. And forensics TV shows, right? TV doesn't lie. (laughs) They take DNA sampling from blood and hair, like any cells, right? Right. They all carry your DNA, your markers. Mind-blowing. So the phrase that came to me was, we are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Yeah. We are the bride of Christ. I think we have no idea how united we are with him. We actually carry his DNA. When we're born again, we're born of water and blood. Mm -hmm. It even speaks of the blood and the water. And we have been given a new nature. We've been given his DNA. We carry his 
part. We're part of him. We're so united with him in that way. So when it comes to that, how great his love must be over us. I feel like that we've talked about love very recently. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an important thing for us to grasp, mm-hmm. even though it's beyond grasping. <laughs> when you look at what they say in Genesis about Eve desiring her husband and mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened after the fall, mm-hmm. that kind of division that happened between yeah. them. I feel like we're so used to living in the state of the fall yeah. that it's hard for us to see our relationship with Jesus as equal, just like it's hard for us to see our relationship as men and women as equal. Yeah. Because we're so conditioned to normalize what actually isn't normal because mm-hmm. the world normalizes everything's normal and it is what it is, you know, but it's not. And we weren't meant to be separate. He says, in me, you're one. There's no male or female in me. Yes, he does. You're one spirit. You're my spirit. You don't even have the right to your own spirit. You're yeah. one spirit with me. But it's so hard to understand that when we've just normalized this separateness. And so if we can't even see a husband and wife as one, how can we really grasp us and Christ as one? We think that's blasphemy. We're so afraid to go there. And that's exactly what the devil wants. As long as you're afraid to go there, you're afraid to approach unity in all the purity that it is. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing with fear. It's so hindering. You just blind yourself because he says in the word, to the pure, all things are pure. If you are approaching a thought or an idea with a pure heart just to know him, even if you're wrong, God's not going to be like, you blasphemer, how dare he's going to He's going to redirect you and guide you, but you're not going to be in trouble because you were wrong in your thinking of your relationship with him. If your motive is pure, you just want him and you want to know him. And you're reading scriptures like this, like, I'm one with you. We're so afraid to go there because it might be wrong. Greatest. Yeah. That was a mic drop. (laughs) Wow, that was a kapow. (laughs) It landed on our table. Almost landed in my cup. (laughs) That would have been epic. Future goals. (laughs) Okay. You know those guys on Instagram that go for like three months to try to get one trick shot? Okay. So there was this guy that had a Coke can and he was flipping it and he was trying to get it to land so that it would go down inside of a thermos. Okay. It barely fit. And he did it for three months. And then it finally went flip and it went in this thermos and he was like, yeah, (laughs) so excited. Three months. To get that one shot. So one day we're going to get our mic to go in our cup. (laughs) Okay. Moving on. Moving on. As you're talking, there's a thousand thoughts going through my my mind. First of all, let's just talk about earthly relationships. Let's talk about the relationship of a husband and wife. I feel like we have normalized a post-fall version of a marriage of a man and woman where there's this division where it's not equal. But I feel like what we need to do is we need to bring our relationships and our marriages back to the garden Mm -hmm. where it was face-to-face and they were equal. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that went through my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's just in the human relationship realm. And then as you're talking, I'm also thinking about our relationship with Jesus and the oneness that we have with him. If we really are taken from his side, we have normalized something. If we really do draw a parallel between Adam and Jesus, because Jesus was the second Adam. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that got me going on this. Things that happened to Adam and the way that Adam was created, a lot of that was replicated in Jesus, Mm -hmm. except Jesus knocked it out of the park, whereas Adam (laughs) failed. it. (laughs) Exactly. If Adam had a bride taken from his side by a curve... Mm. A helix curve. Yeah. (laughs) 
Jesus had a bride taken from his side mm. by helix curve. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying is, what is the bride of Christ going to look like for eternity? And very exciting to me is that I don't think we have to wait. Bride of Christ is already a thing. Mm -hmm. We can already live there. Yeah, We can already live in that place of oneness and union. He's invited us into it now. Well, and I think because the original fall of Lucifer from heaven, this angel saw the glory of the Lord, right? Reflecting off of him mm -hmm. and all of his beauty. And it was impure in his heart. It became this source of pride. And so I think we're so afraid to go there with Jesus. It might seem like we're elevating ourselves. We look at it through the fallen lens. But when you look at it through purity and love, it isn't demeaning Jesus to be one with him. No, what it is, is it's celebrating his amazing grace and his great, great love. How great of a love he had for us to die for us while we were yet sinners, shed his blood for us, and release out of him a bride, mm -hmm. and then bring that bride to himself. He's done it all. He's the one that's brought us up to heavenly places. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's lifted us up. He's lifted our heart up. He's lifted our mind, It's our like spirit. he's brought that chromosome back together. It's like he's brought the DNA back to completion as one. You yeah. have my nature. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Adam lost a part of himself mm -hmm. when God took it out of him. That verse says, this is the reason why a man will leave his father and his mother and cleave mm -hmm. to his wife, and the two became one, because that has to come back together again. Mm -hmm. And so with Jesus, something was taken out of him. Something was taken out of his side. He lost some DNA, and that has been implanted into us. That's where we're drawn to him in union. This is a really, really mysterious subject. Well, even Paul said that. He was talking about husbands and wives and marriage and all this. I mean, even he said this is like a shadow of the bride and Christ and the church. It's a great mystery. <laughs> I have that verse here, actually. I was looking at that this week. Husbands, love your wives. This is Ephesians 5, 25. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, a glorious bride, some translations say, without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. She will be holy and without fault. No one hates his own body, but feeds and nourishes and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. Mm. So what does it mean when it says we are members of his body? We are part of his body. We are his body. And then it says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, which is a direct quotation from Genesis, which we just read mm -hmm. from. And then Paul says, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one, mm -hmm. the way that Christ and his bride are united mm -hmm. or are in union. This is an illustration of something so mysterious. Well, he was even aware that a lot of these things, they cannot be perceived by the natural mind. That's right. So if any of this is offensive, well, that would make sense if it's being listened to through natural experience in a world that normalizes marriages falling apart, even within the church. Mm -hmm excuses of why and you know of course it would be offensive to that mind and you can't understand the things of the spirit through the natural it's not just that it's hard you actually can't it can only be perceived through the spiritual mind the renewing of the mind yeah it's meant to hurt our minds at the beginning it's meant to hurt our <laughs> minds but you know what right now there is such a draw from heaven for union if i hear one thing when I listen to podcasts or what people are saying out there or what the Spirit is saying, mm 
Mm-hmm. I hear union, mm-hmm. union, union, union. Right now, that's the message from heaven. Mm-hmm. That is what the Spirit is saying to the yep. churches. Yep. And so even if you've lived a life where someone's broken the union or like misrepresented the beautiful union, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with how God actually designed us to live and wants us to live. That's right. Union is supposed to be normal and natural and safe. Yes. It's just like somebody having a terrible earthly father experience. Yeah. But our Heavenly Father being the perfect example of mm-hmm. the perfect father yeah. and mother all yeah. put together into one. Because so many people have been hurt by fathers and then right. use that to have a hard time understanding a loving father. Yeah. And so many people have been hurt by a spouse that was supposed to be the one cheering them on and being their first line of defense. Mm-hmm. And so they have a hard time with the Jesus spouse kind of comparison. Right. Mm-hmm. I always feel like if you've been rejected by your wife or your husband, Jesus too knows what it feels like to be rejected by his bride over and over again, right? So he's fully compassionate to your pain, if that's something that you've gone through or mm-hmm. experiencing. And it's not part of his plan for this world, for disunity. We know that. But in that, we can draw so close to him and understanding his heart and how he loves. It's when he talks in the Sermon on the Mount all about loving those who hurt you, that whole shift in perspective, seeing people, how he sees them, they're deceived. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They can't even see past their own life and desire. And So if the scripture is really alluding to the union between a husband and a wife on as many levels as that happens, mm-hmm. being an example of Christ and his bride and the union that can be experienced between Christ and his bride, mm. then that is a crazy thought, first of all. But second, to me, it just makes me think, how close does Jesus want us to be to him, right? <laughs> yeah. And when you start thinking about it, you start thinking about the love and the house of wine and you know all of the things that it involves, and it makes your mind go places that you can't even comprehend. It's like anything he touches, like the water and wine miracle. It was exactly the same substance. He just encountered the wine. Yeah. So if we're these vessels, these earthen vessels, <laughs> if he touches it, it changes. Yeah. If we believe that he changed water into wine, why couldn't we believe that? he changed our DNA into his. Yeah. Not only that, Cretus, but the symbolism of taking communion, when you mix that into the equation, oh man, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, mm-hmm. that's DNA. Yeah. So we're taking in his DNA, we're nourishing our DNA, or we are building up his presence mm. and his influence in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body, making us become more and more connected with mm. him. And that's what he said. He said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Mm. We're taking a part of him mm-hmm. into us. So all of those things together. I know. Kapow! Kapow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we are way more powerful than we've been led to believe. <laughs> a verse like, as he is, so are we in this world. Not as he was when he was here on earth, but mm-hmm. as he is now, so are we in this world. He really has brought us to an incredible place in Christ. So I have some wow. scriptures here that I want to read. So in Colossians 3, it says, Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. That's a very tame rendering of this (laughs) particular passage. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read it from another translation. This is the mirror. See yourselves co-raised with Christ. Now ponder... 
with persuasion the consequence of your co-inclusion with him. Ooh. Ooh. I like that, co-inclusion. Yeah. Then relocate yourself mentally. Engage your thoughts with throne room realities where you are co-seated with Christ in the executive authority of God's right hand, becoming affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts will keep you from being distracted again by earthly soul-ruled realm living. Your union with his death broke the association with that world. See yourself located in a fortress where your life is hidden with Christ in God. The unveiling of Christ as defining our lives immediately implies that what is evident in him is equally mirrored in you. Whoa. The exact life on exhibit in Christ is now repeated in us. We are included in the same bliss and joined oneness with him. Just as his life reveals you, our life now reveals him. Wow. That's so good. I don't even know what to say about that. Those are crazy words. Before that, in Colossians 2, he asked this question, If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? So why as though living in the world? Like That's implying that we're not living in the world. So then where are you living? And then that scripture you just read mm-hmm. explains it, right? Yeah. We're not living in this world. So I heard somebody say this week, it was Liz Wright. Oh. And I am not going to say it with I a British accent. I love my little Liz. <laughs> Come on, Dean. <laughs> no, can't do it. You know me. If I'm around someone with an accent, I unintentionally channel their accent. You channel it? I'll say it without an accent and then you can say it with. (laughs) No, I'm good. We are a new creation spirit being having a temporary earth experience. Oh, yes. A new creation spirit being having a temporary earth Earth experience. experience. Yeah. In our temporary earth suits, as one guy said. (laughs) (laughs) Temporary earth experience in our temporary earth suits. But we let this earth dictates so much of our reality. Mm -hmm. But you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Mm -hmm. We have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We cannot understand this stuff through Mm -hmm. the carnal mind, Mm -hmm. through logic and reasoning. We are included in the same bliss, Mm -hmm. joined oneness with him. Oh, yes. Just as his life reveals us, our life now reveals him. Mm -hmm. So the oneness that we've been created for with Jesus. Yeah. Is it any wonder that he said, in that day I will say, I never knew you. This is all about knowing. God is completely relational. Yada. To know him is eternal life. Yeah. Not know about him. Not go to church on Sunday and finish your Bible study homework. (laughs) Finish your Bible study homework. (laughs) It's great. But knowing him, right? Know him and the power of his resurrection. Mm. because we died with him and we were resurrected with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Okay, this is what I heard. Um, so this brother Yoon, Christian, persecuted in China, I believe, was in jail for a long time, tortured, all sorts of things. Amazing story. He has a book out, I believe, and he essentially just walked out of the jail, angelic escort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he said when he was out of prison, people would always ask him, oh, wow, you must have suffered so much. You suffered for Christ. And his response, I didn't suffer for Jesus in prison. No, I was with Jesus, and I experienced his very real presence, joy, and peace every day. 
It's not those in prison for the sake of the gospel who suffer. The person who suffers is he who never experiences God's intimate presence. Mm. When you experience his intimate presence, there's no suffering in your life. Mm -hmm. Even in a Chinese prison cell with no food and water and torture, it's that extreme. (laughs) I've been starting to realize that the joy on our lives, the peace on our lives, and all of those things that we think come through circumstances. So if I get in a place in my life where everything is right and everything is going well, then I'll be happy or then I'll have peace. But peace is not a situation. Peace is a person. Because mm-hmm. even when you're in that situation where nothing's going wrong, there's the, yeah, but what about this could happen? Peace will still elude you because it's still circumstantial. But when peace is hinged on him because you've encountered him, Prince of Peace, that's quite the label he gave himself there. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> but that's what I've been realizing about all these things, love, joy, peace, all of the fruits of the Spirit, all of those things that grow in our lives as a result of union with Christ mm. is completely portable. It can be taken to any situation yeah. that a person could ever land up in, as you just read, a person in prison or a person in a palace. Wherever you are, mm-hmm. you carry it with you. I've learned to be content. Everywhere. In whatever circumstance. Yeah. Well-fed, hungry. Yeah. Palace, prison. That wasn't his example, but... <laughs> yeah. Cold. Winter. Cold winters. (laughs) Nostrils freezing shut. (laughs) Or warm tropical beach. (laughs) Wherever we are, Mm -hmm. it goes with us. It's like the Brady Bunch. Wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) (laughs) So if he's in you, wherever you go, there he goes, right? (laughs) You're not having to pray, Jesus, come into this situation. If you're in the situation, he's in it. He's there. He's in it because he's in us. It comes down to We're in him. Yeah, it comes down to our awareness of that and believing that. So increase my awareness, Lord, of you in this situation. Mm -hmm. Or increase my awareness of you in me. Yeah, because you're in me. And our union. (laughs) Let's wrap this feast up. I feel like today's been a trip to the house of wine. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Which is a verse that comes out of the Song of Solomon. Mm. It's in the first chapter. Mm, Perfect place then to end. And what it is, is when the bride says... He brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. Mm. That phrase, he brought me to his banqueting table, is actually, he brought me to his house of wine. Oh, yes. Yeah. So drink up. So drink up, people. The good wine. <laughs> We've been drinking today uh-huh. from the house of wine. <laughs> Vintage. Vintage. I'm feeling a little intoxicated yeah. okay. with his love. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Mm. His presence is definitely here today. Mm-hmm. But what we're going to do is we're going to end with reading some verses from the Song of Solomon. I'm going to read one section, and then Cretus is going to read another section. And we're going to put on some music in behind. And then I think at the end, we'll leave some space mm-hmm. yeah. for some more drinking. Mm-hmm. You just drink it in, you and Sweet. him. Spend some time in the house of wine with him mm-hmm. in encounter with the love of the bridegroom over you and encounter with the union of Christ. Because you were taken from his side. You carry his DNA. You are face to face with him. So this first part is Song of Solomon 2, 10 to 15. The one I love calls to me. Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. I have come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. And the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. 
The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the skies. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. Every part of you is so beautiful, my darling. Perfect is your beauty without flaw within. Now you are ready, my bride, to come with me as we climb the highest peaks together, come with me through the archway of trust. We will look down from the crest of the glistening mounts and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary for you reach into my heart. With one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. I'm overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes, for you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling, and your sweet perfumed praises, so exotic, so pleasing. So we hope you have a great week. We'll see you in a week's time. Spend some time drinking. Bye.